a service like that and said, you need to stop doing that. That's making people uncomfortable. Hmm. And, and I, you know, first of all, I can't believe an elder would say that, right? An elder was trying to uh, get the pastor to stop yielding to the Spirit of God. Uh, so he's no elder, right? I mean, he's, no, he's not qualified to be an elder if he's trying to tell a pastor to not do spiritual things. Uh, and yeah, does it make people wonder about that? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know what was, whatever he was. You know, he could have been, you know, the Lord could have called him to heaven to visit for a minute. I mean, who knows, right? Could have been a, a different, there's different levels of visions and revelations that the Lord takes us to. And, um, but it's none of my business, right? And so, uh, and because I, I desire the supernatural, I desire the presence of God. Uh, and, you know, I was even after reading up to today, an evangelist was talking about how we're focusing too much on the Spirit of God, and we need to, uh, on the gifts of the, of the Lord, and we should be uh, focusing on and prioritizing the Word of God. And again, you know, anytime I hear that statement like that, you know, it, it, I'm a little hesitant about it because Paul told us in three different times to desire spiritual gifts. And if he told us that, then what should we do? Then we should desire spiritual gifts, amen? And the spiritual gifts are tongues, interpretation of tongues, and the nine gifts of Spirit mentioned in, in um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 then if he told us to do that, then we should do that. So there's nothing wrong with, with desiring him if he told us to do that, amen? Uh, and I've heard that, and actually somebody in my pulpit came up here one time and said, uh, so-and-so had a vision, and Jesus said uh, that the, the vision, that what he said the vision was, was that Jesus told this person that uh, the church is desiring spiritual gifts, and he said that's wrong, they should be desiring him. Well now, if Paul wrote that we should desire spiritual gifts, and he did that by the leading of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit never spoke of himself, Jesus said, but only spoke those things which he hears, then the Holy Spirit only hears what he's supposed to say by the Lord Jesus. So, so in essence, Jesus told Paul exactly what to write. When Jesus told Paul to, to write down desire spiritual gifts, then, it was, then although we say Paul wrote it, it's really Jesus, the head of the church, wrote it because he's the head of the church. And so... For somebody to say the, the head of the church told him that we're, we shouldn't be desiring spiritual gifts, well, that, you know, we can judge that because it's in conflict with the Word of God. Uh, and, if, you know, if Jesus said, y'all need to be nice and happy and, and mow your yard, you know, every six months, well, okay, there's, that's neither in the Word of God or not in the Word of God, so it's like, okay, whatever, if you still want to do that, that's fine, right? Uh, usually a, a vision should, uh, specifically, it should always line up with the Word of God, first of all, right? And if it's something that's not specifically covered in the Word of God, then you have to judge that, you know, is it, does it violate any principle of the Word of God? <clears throat> uh, and, and you should never accept something that somebody said. I don't care if the Lord Jesus appeared to me right now. Uh, you know, I would, because first of all, I've read Brother Hagin's stories plenty of times when Jesus had appeared to him and told him something, and he said, I can't accept that, Lord. You know, you have to show me in the Word of God where that's so. You said that was so, but you didn't give me any reference in the Word of God, because my... Uh, from Brother Hagin's standpoint, uh, our foundation of faith is only comes from the Word of God. It doesn't come from visions, revelations, supernatural experiences. It only comes from the Word of God. And so everything that transpires supernaturally has to line up with the Word of God. And so if it goes beyond the Word of God by saying, hey, here's new doctrine, or hey, here's something that you should do that's, that's in conflict with the Word of God, then we should summarily reject that. And so when that person said he had a vision from the Lord Jesus to say, stop sp desiring spiritual gifts, he should have rejected it summarily. That's, well, that must have been pizza, right? It must have been, you know, uh, uh, whatever that he ate. Uh, it surely wasn't pizza because pizza would only give you great visions and revelations, right? It must have been like tofu or eggplant or something like that, right? <clears throat> but um, so anyway, you know, uh, uh, we, we should desire that. And, uh, and, and you know, even, even a statement like that, you know, it sounds sort of spiritual. You know, we should elevate the Word of God. Well, you know, I'm 100% for elevating the Word of God. Amen? I mean, I'm... I'm a, I am a strong advocate for elevating the Word of God. But we, we can have both, amen? It's not like we can't have the desire to elevate the Word of God and also desire spiritual gifts. That should be the balance, amen? To say we should elevate the Word of God and not pursue uh, spiritual gifts is in violation of the Word of God. And so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pursue both of them. Uh, and, and the Word of God is always first. Uh, but I'm not going to neglect the spiritual gifts. In fact, Paul told Timothy, don't neglect the, the gifts that are, that are in you. <clears throat> and so uh, it, it's, uh, it's always interesting to see what, uh, and some of these people are my peers, right? Some of these people uh, I read, I, you know, I either know them personally or know of them, 
<clears throat> I was telling Chris today that uh, someone I know personally wrote on, on, on the Word of God that uh, wrote, wrote on, on, um, on Facebook. Um, they said something to the effect that, um, that people think that, uh, and maybe I need to go back and, and reread it to make sure I get it correct, but it, uh, I'll give you the gist of it. They said that people think that the blood of Jesus as a Christian uh, has forgiven their sins today. And they said that's not correct as a Christian that the blood of Jesus doesn't forgive your sins. Uh, and they said because 1 John 1, 9 says if you sin, you, you're supposed to confess your sins uh, and he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But they said the blood of Jesus doesn't cover your sins as a Christian. Uh, well, first of all, um, that, that's, that's sloppy doctrine, right? Because our sins are not covered anyway, right? Uh, that's Old Testament atonement, uh, where they would put the blood on the mercy seat, which was on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And so when they would put the blood on that, they would say, we're atoning or covering the sins of Israel for, this, for a year, right? When they would do that, they, they would do that once a year. Uh, and they would take the blood of goats and, and they would spread it on top of the mercy seat which was the, the top uh, part of the um, Ark of the Covenant. Uh, and so it was covering it, right? It wasn't washing away their sins. Well, Jesus washes away our sins. But really, uh, it, you know, if you want to be accurate about it, you really, you really need to understand that, that the blood of Jesus paid for the judgment of all sin, uh, ever. The sin that was before Jesus, during Jesus, after Jesus, for all time, the blood of Jesus has paid for that sin, right? Because the book of Hebrews says that without, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins or no removal of sins. And so blood has to be shed for the removal of sins. So if their doctrine was correct, that the blood of Jesus wasn't, didn't cover our sins as Christians because we're supposed to repent of our sins, which we are, and to ask forgiveness of our sins, which we are, then if, you only, then, then if the blood of Jesus doesn't, doesn't apply to me as a Christian, as far as my sins go, then when I commit a sin and I need to repent and ask forgiveness for that, the book of Hebrews says that blood must be shed for the remission of sins. So that means at that moment, since the blood of Jesus is, isn't applicable to me, I need to go murder a mammal of some kind because uh, blood has to be shed before the, the sins can be removed out of my life. Uh, and well, that's not correct doctrine, right? Because uh, are we supposed to go and, and pick up goats and, and bulls and turtle doves and those types of things to be murdering them and, and those, no uh, Jesus went to the cross once and done uh, and, and so what, what they failed to understand was the difference between that he paid for the judgment and us receiving the value of that payment to our account, so every sinner out there, there's no sins you know, the adultery, murder, and, and robbery that they're committing, none of those sins are sending them to hell because all those sins have been paid for, right? All, all those sins. So the only sin that they're going to die and go to hell for is not accepting the Lord Jesus because when they accept the Lord Jesus, they accept the payment for their own sins. Before that, they still owe the payment for their own sins, but it's been paid for just like, you know, I, 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 could tell, I call you up and say, hey, I'm going to pay your electric bill next month. You know, that's great, but until you know, you receive that in the check, in the mail, you know, it's, it's not doing any good, right? Or, or if I do send you the check, hey, I've sent you a check to pay your electric bill. If you don't go cash that, and that's really a better analogy, if you don't go cash that check, it, it's the same as if I never did anything. Now, I wrote the check, sent it to you, 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 got it, you see that it's done, but you never cashed it and took advantage of that check. Uh, and if you don't do that, then you're still, you're still liable for that debt of the electric bill, it doesn't matter if I paid for it or not. You're, st you're the one responsible for it. Now, if you go to the, go to the uh, electric company with that check you know, written out to the city of Dayton for the amount of your electric bill, they'd take that, apply that to your account, and your account would be, uh, have a zero balance. Uh, and, and so they don't care, right? They don't care that it was, came from you or came from somebody else. And, that, and that's the way our sins operate as well, that <clears throat> until you receive the work of the Lord Jesus, uh, you're, you're responsible for your own sins. Well, now, it's different after you're a Christian because we still have to uh, be cleansed from all unrighteousness, but that sin itself has been, has been paid for. Uh, and so if it's correct that, that the blood of Jesus does not cover my sins as a Christian, then if I commit a sin, I'm on my way to hell. 
because I have committed an infraction against the Lord that's not been paid for. Well, that doesn't make any sense. So, so every time you get, you get, I mean, not even a bad sin, like you just get kind of depressed, you know, or you worry about, you know, your kids or, you know, whatever. Uh, and, you know, we don't think those are bad sins. They're still sins, but they're not like bad sins. You know, bad sins are, you know, like eating too many donuts or something. But, uh, but if you commit some, some not so bad sin, right, um, you get short with your spouse or, you know, something that, that's, nobody would arrest you for, that would send you to hell if that doctrine is correct. So, you know, it's, we need to be accurate in the word. We need to be accurate uh, in these things because to, to not be accurate, then it, it breeds confusion in the people. Because if, if I tell you we shouldn't uh, go after, we shouldn't pursue or desire spiritual gifts, and then you're reading in the Bible and you get to 1 Corinthians 13 and 14 and it says uh, several times in there, desire spiritual gifts. You know, I thought he said we're not supposed to do that. But it says right there we're supposed to do that. And then if you go, you know, well, if, if, if the blood of Jesus doesn't cover my sins, then 1 John 1, 9 says I'm supposed to confess my sins. But there's nothing in there that says to, to uh, receive the blood of Jesus again or to send Jesus back to the cross again or to go uh, to commit uh, murder upon some other mammal. And, but then I read in Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission or removal of sins. So how, how is my sin removed if I ask for forgiveness if I didn't also shed blood in that moment? Uh, and so, you know, it's just, uh, <clears throat> uh, we should be accurate in the word, amen? And I'm not trying to be hard on but I'm not going to tell you who, <clears throat> who it was. It's not important who it was. It's just we should be accurate in these things, amen? <clears throat> yeah. And to me, they're not very hard to understand uh, because when I, when I it, see, if I came up with a thought like that, I would start, is that correct? I would, have, you know, I'd look at it from this angle. I'd try to look at it from that angle. I'd try to, because I, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, when, when I hear something like that, I think, well, that sounds like an extra burden on my life that when I repent, I also have to do something else. Uh, and, and what is that something else, right? And so, you know, it's, uh, <clears throat> um, uh, it, it can be odd sometimes, right? And, and that whole area, about, especially about sin and forgiveness, that's a really touchy subject, especially with ministers, because if you, if you try to talk about things, especially, you know, and I'm not going to be afraid to talk about them, but even some of the things that we preach around here, if I told other people that, they would be upset, right? Uh, and, and, but I tell you what the Word says. I go and I prove it from the Word uh, in multiple, not just one verse, but multiple verses, and I, and I show you different ways to look at it from the Word of God. Uh, and, and I'm comfortable with it because I believe that's what the Word of God says because when, when somebody else gives me some other, other opinions and I don't have a problem with people giving me opinions I do the same thing well what about this verse, this verse, and this verse, and this verse uh, based uh, upon your opinion right? how do you get around that, that what you just said seems to violate all these other principles and so what you have to do as you study the Word is you know, if you've got two verses that seem to be in conflict you have to reconcile them. You have to find out what the truth is because oftentimes you may think, well, the verse says this, but then the other verse is, seems to be in conflict with that. Then more than likely what you think that verse says is not what it really says. And so you have to back up a little bit and, and do some more studying and, and do, do a little bit more digging, digging <clears throat> and without violating any principles of the Word of God, you know. And so, I mean, I think that should be obvious, but, uh, um, you know, we'll just get there. And again, we're not trying to, be hard on anybody uh, in particular because, um, you know, they didn't ask my opinion about their doctrine. Uh, but I just, you know, my desire is uh, we should absolutely desire the Word of God and, and also allow the Spirit of God to move as supernaturally as He desires. Amen? Amen. Uh, and so let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 3. We'll continue there today. So we got down to Philippians uh, 3.20 uh, where it says, For our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, that word conversation, oftentimes the English word conversation uh, in, in the New Testament uh, means manner of life. In this particular time, the, the word conversation means our citizenship. So our citizenship is in heaven. So he's elevating the citizenship of heaven over the citizenship of Rome. Uh, these, uh, the Philippians, many of them were probably Roman citizens. And uh, to be a Roman citizen back in that day, especially in, in this culture, was uh, esteemed highly. Uh, and Paul was trying to make the case that our citizenship of heaven is greater and more valuable than our citizenship in the natural world. And, and, uh, and that goes for us today as well. You know, our citizenship in heaven today 
uh, as American citizens is more valuable than our American citizenship. And yet our American citizenship is pretty valuable. I mean, we get millions of people trying to sneak in here every year. Well, why do they want to sneak in here? Nobody's trying to sneak into China. Nobody's trying to sneak into Iraq. You know, nobody's trying to sneak into Russia. Uh, people are trying to sneak in here. Now, why? Because we give them checks, right? Here's a check, right? I was reading today, they, they, they get a swimming pool, you know, they get a cell phone. It's a pretty sweet deal, right? And so just show up, you know, you, you show up like that in Iraq and they probably cut a hand off, right? And so <clears throat> you're not as motivated to sneak into Iraq as you would be here. And so, uh, and yet uh, my citizenship of heaven is more valuable to me than, than my American citizenship. And, and that should help us because you know, there's, there's wars fought in churches about, well, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I am a child of God. I'm neither a Democrat nor a Republican. And so I can look at both of them and say, you know, I can look at Democrats and Republicans and, and there, there's plenty of problems to go around, right? Uh, you know, uh, my opinion is the Democratic Party right now is a bunch of loonies, loons and, and uh, perverts, uh, but that's just, you know, that's somewhat my opinion. Um, because they, I mean, 20 years ago they weren't this way, right? Uh, they were just kind of regular, want to spend a lot of money people. Now it's like, uh, I remember we read last week or a couple weeks ago about their glory is their shame. Seems like that's what they're uh, uh, pursuing right now. Uh, but again, if it changes tomorrow, you know, no big deal. And so, <clears throat> but I can look at, you know, just like when President Trump was the president, uh, you know, in the church, I saw so many people in the church elevate President Trump almost to, uh, to the Lord Jesus, that he was nearly the Lord Jesus. And I just, I just really struggle with that because, you know, while, while I, you know, tend to lean in that direction from a, from a political standpoint, and I did like most of the things that he did, and, and really I never had a problem with all his tweets. I thought most of them were pretty funny myself. Uh, but he was not somebody that I would pursue as, as an example of good character, right? I mean, things we did with his, with his women, you know, I mean, just, we know the stories, right? And, and, he, and he never shied away from me. Oh, yeah, I did all that stuff. <clears throat> and so, and that's fine, right? I mean, he's a politician. He's not, he's not a minister, right? He's not my example that I follow from a spiritual or faith standpoint. And yet the church elevated him so high. And I just, I, I never could understand that. And even today, uh, you, know, you know, as the re-election comes along, uh, and will he be nominated? I don't know, you know. Uh, he might be nominated in prison for all I know. I mean, it is, you know, they're trying to really bury him in the backyard somewhere, but... <clears throat> um, and more than likely, all of those things will fail because most of them are just trumped up charges, not to be a pun or anything. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if he's, uh, I don't, I, even if he's the nom nominee for the Republican Party, it's not guaranteed I vote for him. I'll decide when I get to that point, Lord, what do you want me to do? I don't decide to vote for him because he's got an R after his name or because of this or that. Uh, and even, you know, it, the policies themselves don't really matter because they all lie anyway. Every politician lies, right? How do you know a politician's lying? Well, they're talking, right? That's how you know they're lying. And so, <clears throat> um, and they're, they're, they're all the same, right? Republicans, Democrats are all the same way in that regards. But since my citizenship is in heaven, then I wait for heaven to tell me who to vote for. Uh, and so I can get up and say, you know, I mean, I don't like what they're doing over here. I don't like what they're doing over there. Uh, and I, you know, I don't get upset about it either way. You know, I, I don't, if they're not doing what I like, I can pray and get them out of there um, and vote for the other fellow. Uh, but, uh, but I'm not gonna fight a war for a human being like that uh, because th that's, that's elevating my American citizenship above my, my uh, uh, heavenly citizenship. So just be careful about that. You know, I got no problem with, with calling out the stupidity of, of uh, Washington, D.C., because, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I mean, you think it's like um, you want qualified people to, to be elected officials, but it seems like uh, until people get a Ph.D. in, in complete, a absolute stupidity, they're not qualified to go to, to Washington. I mean, it's just, you know, we know, we know. And, and again, it's the same thing on both sides. I mean, America's in $33 trillion of debt. Republicans and Democrats both spending money like drunken sailors, right? It's, uh, they all spend way too much money. <clears throat> and uh, they all need to quit doing that. But, um, uh, and I can look at that from an objective standpoint because my citizenship is in heaven and not here, right? And so uh, I got no problem with, you know, if you want to vote for whatever you want to vote for, it's really none of my business, right? But I would encourage you to not be a Democrat and not be a Republican, to be a citizen of heaven. And I, I never identify as a Democrat or Republican. I identify always as a citizen of heaven. Uh, and then that gives me opportunity to, to do whatever I want to do. Because uh, a lot of times people will overlook 
the failings of their guy, right? Even President Trump, they overlooked all of his moral failings and elevated him as a moral example. And I'm thinking, he is not a moral example. And I don't say that to be unkind, but you know, he, from his own mouth, he's testified. He's not a moral example, right? He, the things he's done and is proud of, not things I would do uh, or should do, amen, as a child of God. Uh, and, and, I, and I can leave it at that. You know, and I don't need him to be a, the, moral, perfect, the perfect moral example of everything. I just want him to go in and quit spend money and fire about uh, you know, half the people in Washington. And if he does that, and he did a lot of that when he was there the first time, then I'm happy with that, right? Quit spending money, reduce taxes, and you know, uh, do what a, what a president is supposed to do, then I'm good with that. If he's not the perfect moral example, none of my business. He's not my, even if he was a perfect moral example, he's not mine because he's not a minister of the gospel. Amen? <clears throat> and so, and I think that if we can find that balance that, that our citizenship is in heaven and not on earth and not as an American citizen, then, then it's, it's easy, to, uh, um, <clears throat> it's easy to, to follow the plan of God regardless of who's running for office. Uh, and so, uh, and then he says, uh, at the end of that verse, he says, uh, from whence uh, also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're looking for Jesus to come back from heaven, right? From whence? So Jesus, where is Jesus today? He, he's at the right hand of the Father, so he's in heaven. Now, you know, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. That doesn't mean he's he never gets up, right? I mean, he can get up. You remember uh, when Stephen was stoned, he saw the Lord Jesus, right? On the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, um, uh, the Lord Jesus appeared to Paul. Uh, on, at that time, he was called Saul. So Jesus does get out from out of heaven. He visits the earth on occasion. And, and uh, if people tell me that they saw Jesus, it's like, well, okay, fine. Uh, I'm not going to argue the case that, well, he would never do that uh, because we see in the scriptures he did that many times. And so... Uh, he has a right to do that, and and so, uh, but we but when he's talking about this about returning uh, from the uh, from heaven, the Lord Jesus, we're looking for him to return. Uh, one of the things you've got to understand uh, and appreciate, you know, that Paul wrote the book of Philippians in the first century, right after the Lord Jesus died. This is probably I, I didn't look up the exact date, but it's probably around sixty or seventy A.D. Uh, when he wrote this particular book there. So, uh, you know, the early church. They thought Jesus would come back like, like any day, right? I mean, like, like he went up to heaven uh, when he was 33 years old, and, you know, we, they just figured within 50 years he'd be back. And, of course, he wasn't, right? Uh, and, he, and if you go back and read the book of Acts, you kind of see some of the things they did. It was obvious they thought, well, he's not coming back. You remember one time they sold everything they had, and they brought it to the church, and they gave it to the church. Uh, well, that's great. If he's coming back tomorrow, sell it all, right? I mean, you know. Uh, uh, you know, if I, knew, if I knew for a fact that Jesus was coming back, you know, in like four months, I'd sell everything and just go on a cruise for like three and a half months and then show back up, you know. Uh, I mean, why do I need a house, right? Why do I need a dog or a cat, you know? Uh, and so, Chris, uh, oh, you can't sell the dog and cat. Well, okay, you know, we may not sell the dog and cat, but uh, you know what I'm saying? But why would you need all that stuff? You just sell everything, you know, give 90% of it away and keep the last 10% for cruise for a couple months and, and then go to heaven. Uh, and, and they did some of those things. And then after uh, a few years, Paul was running around uh, Europe collecting money to send back to Jerusalem because everybody had sold all their businesses and, and land and had no money, no ability to make money. Uh, and so things got a little, a little um, uh, uncomfortable for them. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so the Lord Jesus is coming back. And I'm, I don't want to go into all of uh, end time because we could, we could take a, a hard right here and go through a complete uh, discussion of end time events. And, and I'm not an expert at that. Uh, I've not studied that in great detail. I know the, the basics. Uh, and, and I thought we'd be, it'd be good just to look at a couple of things that we know for sure is going to happen. And so we're in Philippians uh, chapter uh, 4 there. Let's start with the 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So, so the basic timeline of uh, what's going to happen at some point in time is uh, the, the first, uh, and of course, uh, again, you know, I keep saying we're not going to do this, so we start talking about it. If you look at the, if you look at the overall scriptures, there are uh, basically seven dispensations, and a dispensation is just, uh, it's just a fancy word that says, uh, how is God operating with mankind at this point in time? And when that changes, then that's a new dispensation. So first dispensation was uh, the dispensation of, of innocence uh, for Adam and Eve, right? So he creates Adam and Eve, 
and, uh, and for Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, then they walk with God in the cool of the day, and they're naked, and, and everything is great, right? And of course, they fall. Well, then they get, that's the next dispensation, right? And you go through all of them, all the different ones uh, <clears throat> from that point until, until um, well, I, I, I haven't got my notes there uh, on the dispensations, but I think the next one after that one is probably um, but at the Tower of Babel, um, maybe uh, Noah, I don't know. You know, I know, I know the bigger ones. Uh, Abraham was covenant, then Moses established the law, and then, uh, then that, that carried us up to the Lord Jesus. Uh, but, we're, but if you go through all of them, uh, we're in the seventh dispensation, which is the church age. So the church age started really at Pentecost, right? On the day of Pentecost, uh, and things changed, right? So the, the law ended, and now we're in an age of grace. And so how the Lord operated with mankind before that was different, right? Mankind was uh, operated with the Lord under the law. Then the law was, was completed by the Lord Jesus, and so now we're in this church age, here, and this will carry us all the way until the Lord Jesus returns. Uh, and so a lot of times people will say, well, after the last apostle died, then healing ended. Well, if healing ended and supernatural things ended, well, that's, then that's a new dispensation. But there's nothing in the scriptures that, that says things change, right? I mean, everything in scriptures says the last major event that changed was the completion of the law, at the, at the, at the, really at the, at the resurrection. Uh, and so whatever happened at, from Pentecost forward is how things are supposed to stay today until the Lord Jesus comes back. So, when the, so uh, at this point in time, we have a fallen earth, right? An earth that's been touched by sin. We have uh, a heaven uh, where the Lord resides today. It was touched by sin because Lucifer was up there at that point in time. And mankind on the earth is divided into really three camps, but you can uh, even boil it down to two camps. You've got the church of God, and basically everybody else. And some, you can also split it up in the church of God, uh, the Gentiles, and the Jews. Those three categories are also uh, discussed in the scriptures. So, and those three categories of people will exist until the Lord Jesus comes back. So we know that the Lord Jesus has got to deal with sin because uh, although he's paid for it, there's just people who just won't re receive the Lord Jesus. And all sin has to be dealt with, right? And so if you can look at if you can look at the history of mankind as how is the Lord dealing with sin, because that's really the issue, is the Lord's able to deal with mankind in whatever way he is based on, upon what he's able to do with sin. So before Adam and Eve fell, there was no sin, so he could do whatever he wanted to and talk to them whatever, however he wanted to. And then sin showed up, and now, he, now things are complicated, and then the covenant was established with Abraham. Things are better, but still, you know, mankind's doing what they want to do, and so he had to establish the law after that, after 400 years of that. And then they, they coasted from the law all the way up until the Lord Jesus. Uh, and uh, the Lord Jesus, like, you know, the law is never good enough. You, people can't be redeemed by the law. <clears throat> so the ultimate goal, and we've read that before in, in, in um, Ezekiel 36, 26, where he said he's going to put a new spirit in us, and that he would put, then he would put his spirit in us. Well, that's the end game of redemption, but that's not the best because we're, we've got the spirit of God in us, but the world doesn't. Uh, and uh, we've got the Spirit of God in us, but our flesh still has a sin nature. And we've got the Spirit of God in us, but there's sickness and disease still in the earth. So it's still not where God wants, to, wants his relationship with mankind to be. But we're getting closer. Uh, and so he's got to deal with sin ultimately and get rid of it once for all. And so he's got to kick that off by, uh, first of all, the, the next major event that's going to occur is, uh, he, he talks about it here, in 1 Corinthians 15, 50, 51, <clears throat> uh, it says here, uh, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So he said, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. So this is talking about, we call it the rapture, right? Uh, uh, he, in, in um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we'll read that real quick in verse uh, 13 through 17. He said, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. So similar to what he said in 1 Corinthians, you know, those that, that have gone on before us that are Christians, the Bible says that they're asleep. I mean, they're really dead uh, physically, but they're not dead spiritually. So they always call them uh, 
any child of God that has died physically, generally is said that they're sleeping. Uh, remember, uh, Jesus told, I think it was, was Jairus' daughter, that, that she sleeps. Uh, and he said, well, no, she's dead. No, she's sleeping, right? Uh, in fact, he said that about Lazarus uh, because they were children of God, at least under the covenant of, of Abraham. Uh, and so, uh, <clears throat> so he said, uh, concerning them which are asleep, uh, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. And of course, we and I have used this scripture many times in, in funerals because as a child of God, uh, if you know that the person that, that you love has just passed away, but they were a Christian, well, he said we sorrow, but not as those who have no hope. So the sorrow is not, you know, uh, they have entered into a place where they can never return and it's a terrible place. That would be the ultimate sorrow. But the sorrow is, I'm going to miss being with this person. And this person has left me, they've gone to heaven, and, and there's going to be a long separation. If I'm a young person, there could be a, a decades of separation before I ever see them or, or talk to them again. And that's, that's a valid and, and a real sorrow, right? But you do have the hope that, he said, uh, as others which have no hope. So they have no hope of ever seeing their loved one again. Uh, well, hopefully if they're Christian, right? Uh, but I do. If they're a loved one, I've gone to heaven, then I'll see them again. So I have hope that. So, so you know, that, that balance of that, uh, when, when, uh, if you're a Christian and a loved one dies, you know, there should be sorrow. But uh, I have seen a lot of Christians who, uh, when another child of God passes away, maybe it's a, a spouse or sometimes it's a child or a parent, uh, they're, they're all tragic in that sense. You know, unless they live a you know, good long life and, you know, there's, a, there's joy that, that uh, they've gone on to be with the Lord. Oftentimes, as people, when, they, when they're really elderly, there's almost more joy that they've passed because, you know, they're ready to go home. They want to go home to be with the Lord. And, but if it's, other, if, if, it's, if it's a child or a spouse, you know, oftentimes there's a lot of grief there. But I've seen a lot of Christians where uh, they have no hope and they'll build the altar of that death of that, of that loved one and, and that's all they live, all they do is they live right there at that death of the, every time you see them, yeah, it's been th- six years now, yeah, it's been 10 years now, yeah, it's been 18 years now. Uh, and they're still, that, that's, they, they stop moving and progressing in their life because they built an altar at the death of that loved one. Uh, and it's a shame because they should have hope. Well, yeah, it's terrible that they, that they passed, but they're in heaven. So the balance of that is, yeah, uh, the only sorrow we have is that I can't see them. There shouldn't be a sorrow that, that you know, people talk about, well, they died and maybe it was even a tragic death. Well, it doesn't matter. To them, it doesn't matter. They're in heaven, right? So why does it bother you? Uh, and a lot of times, we, we just act like the world. Like, well, you know, they, we, we elevate all these emotions that, that, that don't have any faith in them. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you know, that sounds kind of harsh, but you remember what Jesus said to the man? He said, uh, when he told them to follow him, so said, well, then go first bury my father. And what did Jesus say? He said, let the dead bury the dead. I mean, he's like, you know, you don't, you don't have time to go that. You know, you come follow me. Uh, and so if you think I'm being harsh, you know, just hang around with Jesus for a while. So, uh, so, so he said, we sorrow, but not as those who have no hope, right? The, the world has no hope. Uh, their, their, their loved ones, if they didn't know the Lord, uh, then they're in eternal damnation, and uh, there's just no hope, right, uh, of them ever being at peace. Uh, we say rest in peace, but that's only for the Christian. There is no peace for the, for, of, of rest for those who are outside of the, of the Lord. He says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So all of those who have gone on before us, when Jesus returns, he's bringing the church that's in heaven with him. And, and he's going to receive us that way. So there's going uh, to be a receiving party at some point in time. So uh, the, the basic idea is the Lord's got to get the church out of the world before he can... Uh, reign the judgment upon the earth. Uh, and, and that's the whole, that's the very next step that's going to happen. He's going to remove the church out of the, out of the, out of the world. And so uh, he did that with, uh, with Noah, right? What did he do when he wanted to pass judgment? Uh, or no, yeah, Noah. Uh, what did he do with the righteous? He took them out of, uh, out of the earth, right? Put them in the ark, away from the earth, so he could pass judgment of the flood on the earth. Now, what did he do with Sodom and Gomorrah before he could pass judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah? Who was in Sodom and Gomorrah at the time? Lot was, right? So what, what did he do with Lot? He had to pull Lot out of, out of the city before he could pass judgment on the city. 
And then once he pulled the righteous out of the location, then he could pass judgment upon, uh, upon that location. And of course, with Noah, it was a whole earth. With Sodom and Gomorrah, it was just, it was just a city. Well, why is that? Because the righteous are the stay or, or the, we hold the wrath of God back because of, our, of a grace upon our life, because we're the righteous of God. So he can't, he can't destroy us because we're the righteous of God. We, we, are, we are washed in the blood. Uh, and, and so uh, what did he do to, to the nation of Israel with, uh, with Egypt before he could pass judgment on Egypt? He, he, he hid them in the land of Goshen, right? Put the blood on the lampposts and don't go over there, right? You've got to stay out of there. So uh, he said, he gave me strict instructions. You go to your house, you stay there. So you stay outside of, of the judgment going over there. You can stay outside. There. So a lot of people say the church is going to go through tribulation. Well, that doesn't make any sense. How, how, how is he going to pass judgment upon the earth if we're here? Because the whole, uh, you've got to understand why, why is he even doing that? Why is it necessary for him to do that? Because all sin has to be dealt with. And all sin has been dealt with if everybody received the work of the Lord Jesus. We'd, we'd all just go to heaven. Uh, we, in fact, if, he, we'd, if, if every person on the earth accepted the Lord Jesus... He'd come back today. We'd all just go to heaven so, so he could just destroy the earth and create a new one because this earth's been touched by sin and, and nobody would have to be harmed. But this, the earth still has to be remade so he would have to remove us off the earth so he could remake it. Uh, and we would all go to heaven until he remade the earth and we'd come back. Um, well, that would be great. That's not going to happen because some people are, gonna, are not going to accept the Lord Jesus. And so he's going to come back here. Uh, and he says uh, that uh, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him? So he's going to come back with all of our family, right? All the people that we love that have gone on before us, he's going to come back and you're going to see grandma and grandpa and sister and, and brothers and uh, you're going to see them in the cloud. Uh, and he says uh, that um, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So they're going to, they're, they're, they're going to those that are asleep are going to come with him uh, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So what's going to happen is, uh, you know, all of us, the ones that, have loved, that, that we loved that died, their physical bodies are in the graves, right, wherever they are. And their spirits are in heaven. So he's going to come back to the earth, the Lord Jesus is going to come back to the earth with a shout. Trumpet's going to sound, sound, there's going to be glory everywhere, and we're going to see these physical bodies be raised up out of the graves and be reconnected with their spirit man that's in heaven. Uh, and then that, and that's when they get the glorified body. Uh, and so an, an angel's gonna, gonna um, shout. He's gonna do the shouting and announce the, the returning of the Lord Jesus and a trumpet of sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So before we leave the earth, we're gonna see all, the, all these graves opened up. Uh, and it's gonna be an amazing sight, right? I mean, you know, uh, just think if you're not a Christian and you see that. Because if we're Christians and we see it, it'd still be amazing. If you're not a Christian, you'd be like, well, that'd, be, that'd really make you nervous, right? And so, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we be with the Lord. So shall we ever be with the Lord. So th this is the rapture, right? The, the word rapture is not a biblical word. It's just a word we use as the catching away, right? Or the, this is what he says, that uh, we're going to be caught up with him in the air. So that's the catching away, right? We're gonna, so he's, he's not going to land on the earth. He's going to come then, and we're going to see him somewhere in the sky. And, and, and we're going to see all the graves opened up, and they're going to uh, reconnect with their spirit man and their, their uh, uh, physical bodies. They're going to be reconnected. And he said, we, we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. So when we see that happens, instantly our physical bodies, what, whatever they are, every, we're going to be made brand new physically. Spiritually, we're already brand new. But, but physically, you know, Paul said that the, that the inner man uh, is renewed day by day, but the outer man de uh, uh, decays daily. <clears throat> uh, and so, and that just means not with sickness and disease, but we get older, right? And you're not as fast as you were, you know, you're not as strong as you were. Uh, and, and so, but... You can still be healthy, amen? Uh, and so uh, and when people say that, see, you're going to start getting cancer. And, uh, there's, no, there's nothing in that word of God that says that. He said we can live long life healthy. Um, and so, <clears throat> so that's going to be the next major event that's going to occur in the church. So that's what Paul said back in Philippians 3.20, that we're looking for Jesus from heaven, right? So, so he's going to come down from heaven. He's going to bring all the people with him that, that are gone on before us. 
and it's going to be everybody. Abraham's going to be there. Moses is going to be there, right? Uh, grandma and grandpa's going to be there. Everybody's going to be there that, that accepted the Lord Jesus either before or after the cross. And he's going to stop somewhere in the air. And we're going to see that. And, and how are we going to see it all around the earth? I don't know. But it's going to be amazing how it works, right? Uh, because he's the Lord. He can do whatever he wants to. Uh, and, and, um, and we'll see it from the east, uh, which, you know, uh, I mean, at some point it's got to be the west somewhere, right? But, um, uh, I mean, because if you're like one step away, you know, on the east side, then he's really west all the way around the earth. But, you know, I don't know if you think about stuff like that. I do think about stuff like that. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, that, that's, uh, how is he going to work all those, those uh, things out? I don't really know. But this is the next major event that's going to occur, right? With the Lord, and he's going to take the church out of the earth. And then once the church is out of the earth, then uh, the tribulation begins, right? The seven years of tribulation, and we see the, all the details of that in the book of Revelation. Uh, and, um, uh, and really, the, the point of the seven years of tribulation is, is just to give people another opportunity to accept the Lord Jesus. Uh, and then, uh, at that point, then, uh, then the Lord Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to take the devil... Uh, right now, which is on the earth, right, and running around the earth as a, as a uh, criminal element, and he's going he's gonna to lock him away for a thousand years, and that's the millennial reign, right? Jesus is going to come back to the earth after the tribulation, uh, and uh, he's going to lock up the devil for a thousand years, but see, even at that point in time, there's still going to be, when, when, when he leaves with the church, all the people that are left on the earth are still here. There's going to be billions of people left on the earth that will go through the tribulation, and, and we'll probably lose half or more of the people on the earth through the tribulation. So there's still going to be billions of people after the, the seven-year period. And now Jesus returns. He's going to set up his, his, he's going to run the earth. And the church is going to reign with him, right? We will reign in Christ Jesus. We will run, uh, we will reign on the earth. He's going to assign you to, you know, you're going to run, you know, maybe your heart's desire is always to be king over New Zealand. Well, he's probably going to make you king over New Zealand, right? Uh, and so if that's, if that's always been your, more than, anything, more than anything, I want to be a king of New Zealand, right? And, and maybe that's, a, I don't know, you know, uh, uh, whoever, he, he's the one who gets to decide, right? I mean, you could probably uh, submit a request to be king of New Zealand, but he's already decided who's going to do that anyway. So I would just wait for the assignment to come and just do whatever you're told. It would be the best thing to do. Uh, you want to be like, the, remember the disciples, John and James said, hey, can we, uh, in fact, they were, too, they were too weaselly to ask themselves. They got their mom to do it. Hey, Mom, go ask Jesus if we can have a, a, a seat beside him on either side of his throne. Uh, and so Mom's like, hey, Jesus, you know, will you do whatever I ask? Uh, you know, and Jesus is like, no, you know, and so what do you want? And well, I, you know, I want you to, you know, make my son. Uh, and so uh, he said, are you, are you able to, to uh, drink of the same drink? I'm, oh, yeah, well, yeah, we well, can do that. He's like, yeah, we're at, I'm sure you can, right? Uh, I'm sure there was a little sarcasm when he said that. Uh, but he said, that's not for, for me to give anyway. That's for the Father to decide. So the, the Father God in heaven has already decided who's going to do what on the earth. So it's best just to just wait for your assignment. Amen. Don't try to, to be greedy and get the, a cushy assignment, you know. Uh, but anyway, so, so he's going to come back to the earth. He's going to reign on the earth for a thousand years. Uh, and... And there's still going to be a mix of people who are Christians and not Christians at that point in time for a thousand years. And I think in, in that moment is when he's showing the greatest mercy to let everybody still decide. Because at the end of the day, we all have a free choice. And for a thousand years, without the sin, without the, the, the pressure of the devil trying to get people to sin every day, people will still choose to sin, right? Sinners will still choose to sin when the devil's locked up for a thousand years, but it's their choice. Amen because they're going to be greedy or they're going to be whatever, but there won't be any uh, possessions of devils and things like that like we see in, see in the Gospels as far as I understand it. Uh, but still, humanity will still get to decide what the, how they want to live and, and do they want to accept the Lord Jesus. And, and for a thousand years, there's still going to be stupid people who will not accept the Lord Jesus. After a thousand years, you know, they still will not accept the Lord Jesus. And so then at that point in time, he will let, let the devil loose for, as the Bible says, for a season. <clears throat> Uh, and, and then he's going to lock it all up, right? And then at that point, then everybody has made their choice, made their decision, and um, they have set their eternal destiny after that thousand years. And so then he's going to take the devil and his angels, throw them in the lake of fire forever, uh, and then everybody else who also has not chosen to accept them, they'll go into the lake of fire. He'll judge everybody at that point in time. 
Uh, and again, the judgment is, have you accepted the work that I did because of my blood on the earth? In other words, have you accepted me as your Savior? Because by accepting me, you remove the guilt of your sin. If you don't accept me, then you're still responsible for the guilt of your sin. And that's really the, 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 whole, um, the whole deal is, uh, do you accept the work that Jesus did on the cross to remove your sin? Which is, you do that by accepting the Lord Jesus. When you accept the Lord Jesus, that's what you're saying. I, I choose to accept Jesus as my Savior, as saving me from my own sins, and by removing the sins out of my life, and, and by paying for the judgment of my sins, uh, and I choose to do that as an act of my will. And so he gives everybody a thousand years with no pressure from the devil. You just decide on your own, yes or no. And there will still be stupid people, no, I'm not doing it. I want to do what I want to do. The, the devil rebelled and he got away with it. And, and, and he told me that he's going to be able to uh, come back and, and, and overthrow the kingdom one more time. Uh, and and or we, you know, he, they'll have writings about stuff like that because he won't tell them specifically because he'll be in, in, um, in chains for a thousand years. But people have a free right to make a decision with no pressure on the outside. Uh, they'll just, uh, and they're on their own, they'll have to decide to do it or not. And they will still, some will say no. Uh, and, and Jesus, okay, then, then you've made your choice. And this is the eternal choice. Uh, and it'll be, you know, one of the hardest days of, of all of history. Then uh, he throws the devil in the lake of fire. Everybody gets judged, right? Uh, and the church get judged in one area. And we'll get judged for all the deeds on the body, both good and bad, he says. Uh, and if we're smart, we'll, we'll, um, we'll repent of all sins now. So when we get to heaven and he says, hey, did, did you do that thing? Yeah, Lord, I did that. Oh, hang on. Oh, yeah, you did repent for that. Okay, we'll go. Hopefully he goes on quickly from the things that we've repented for. If we have repented for him, he, he may be like, well, let's talk about it. Well, that's making me really uncomfortable, Lord. It doesn't matter. We're still talking about it, right? And so he will discuss all the deeds done in the body, both good and bad. And that's what it says, right, in, in, in the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, or maybe it's 2 Corinthians, that, that uh, uh, will be judged by all the deeds done in the body, both good and bad. Uh, and, but, the, but the world, their judgment is, it's, only, it's a yes or no question. Did you accept me? If the answer is no, now, now you think about it. This is everybody, right? This is not just people on the earth. This is everybody, right? Everybody who's, who's dead. And if you go to the book of Revelation, towards the end of the book there, it says the, the, the dead are going to rise out of the sea, out of the land, everywhere, right? They're, they're going to rise up. Uh, and, uh, and, and so right now, where are they? If they died without Jesus, where, where are their spirits right now? Their spirits are in hell, right? Because if you die, uh, you either go to heaven or you go to hell right now, today. Uh, and, and you don't get to choose, right? The choice was made when you're on the earth. When, if you accept the Lord Jesus, you get to go to heaven. If you didn't accept the Lord Jesus, your spirit's not alive unto God, so it's not qualified to go to heaven. And well, you know, I've been good. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what, you, what you've done. Have you accepted Jesus? Because if your spirit's not alive unto God, it's not qualified to go in the presence of heaven, and so it can only go to hell. So people want to make these arguments, well, God, you know, I've done all these kinds of good things. It doesn't matter. Uh, your good things cannot pay for the sins you've committed against a holy and perfect God. The only thing that, that is qualified to pay for those sins is the precious and perfect blood of Jesus. Now, your good works are not sufficient. See, it, it's not even a question of, of whether the Lord is kind or merciful or righteous to, to do that. It's a matter of have the things that you've done, are they enough? Are they, are they qualified to, to pay for your sins? Uh, and they're not, right? But, but people want to make they are. I mean, if you go to, if you go to, the, to the Lamborghini store and you well, I've got $6 and, and, and um, two coupons in my pocket, can I buy that car? Well, but I want the car. Well, yeah, that, but you can't afford the car. Well, yeah, but I want it. It doesn't matter if you want it if you don't have the goods to pay for it. It's irrelevant, right? It's not a matter of, it's not a moral question. It's a business question. And it's really the same thing from the standpoint of sin. It's not a moral question whether God, God is moral to, to not allow people to heaven, it, it's a business transaction that the sins have to be dealt with. He's a holy and perfect God. And, and he, chose, he chose the best way to deal with that. Okay, I'll just take care of it for you. I will pay for all your sins. You just have to accept that payment. That's all you got to do. You don't have to earn it. You just have to accept it. And people, you know, uh, people are unwise. I don't want to accept it. Well, that's really a dumb thing. Mean, why would you not want it? That's free, right? Here's a coupon to go to get you a free Lamborghini. I'm going to earn it on my own. Okay, fine. Spend the rest of your life trying to get it, right? Because you're never going to get it. You're never going to earn enough. Your average, you know, 
minimum wage job is not going to earn you enough money to, to pay for that really fancy car. But this, but this super rich guy over here said he'd just give it to you for free, brand new, for free. I don't take charity from nobody. Uh, and, and that's kind of people's mentality. So uh, at that point in time, after the millennial reign, after the thousand years, people have made their choices. Everybody that's in hell today will be removed from hell. Everybody that's on the earth today, at that point in time, that's not a Christian, will be moved from, removed from the earth. They'll stand before the, the great white throne judgment. Jesus has a great white throne somewhere. Uh, and uh, they'll stand before him, and he's going to ask him that the yes or no question. Did you accept me? Uh, and if the answer is no, which the answer is going to be no, then it's just it's straight to hell. But you think about people that are in, in torment today in hell. What's the only thing they want? It's to get out of there, right? Well, they will get out of there for a very short period of time. It'll be the only time in history where nobody wants to cut line, right? Uh, they'll be up there in line, and as soon as they get past judgment, they'll have to go back to eternal damnation. Uh, and, and so you think about the people that will that have been in torment, they get to see the glory of heaven. See, if they died today, they didn't see heaven. They went straight from the earth, straight to hell, into torment. And then at, that end, at the end of the millennial reign, they will leave hell and stand before the Lord Jesus in his glory and see the rainbow over the throne of God and see the Lord Jesus himself face to face, see the angels and see their uh, families that didn't make it to heaven. Uh, and, uh, and they'll have to turn right back around and go to hell. Now, that, that's, that's hard. You think about that. You think, I think about that from the, from the standpoint of the Lord Jesus because he's going to be the one doing it, right? He's going to be the one saying, you know, you've got to go back down there. You think, that's, you think he's going to be just full of anger? That's going to be the worst day for the Lord Jesus because he created us, right? We are, we are his creation, and he's going to have to send that, not because he's unjust, but because the people would not accept the work that was already done for them. And so it's not on him, right? It's on us, but, but uh, of course, people are going, it's not my fault, you know, you don't understand, blah, blah, blah. You know, they were making excuses when they're alive. Well, you know, I'd go to church, except there's too many hypocrites. Well, you know, I'm not going to do it because of this. You know, I don't have time to go for the Lord. You know, I don't believe in the Lord. You know, and, and it's every excuse. And yet, uh, Paul said in, first, in Romans chapter 1, you'd walk outside and you can see that God exists. Look at the trees and the flowers in the sky. You can tell God exists. Anybody with a brain can look at, the, look at creation and see that God exists. Uh, and so people without excuse. And yet they will try to make an excuse, but it won't work. Uh, and, and, um, and, of course... You know, I don't, I don't preach this. If I'm talking to somebody who's not a Christian, I don't usually tell them all these details because it's a little too much for non-Christians anyway. Uh, but it's helpful for us to understand how this works in general. Amen? Now, all the specifics of the seven-year tribulation and, and who, who is the, the great whore of Babylon. And, I mean, you know, I mean, who's the Antichrist? I'm pretty sure I know who he is. But, you know, um, Brother Hagin said he used to preach about the Antichrist, you know, all the time. But his Antichrist kept dying because first it was Mussolini. Right, then it was Stalin, then it was Hitler, and they all kept dying, and finally he just gave it up because, you know, I don't know who he is. I don't know who he is either, right? But, but um, uh, people say, oh, you know, he's probably alive today. I don't know, you know. Well, you know, you've got all the people. You, you, sometimes I just wonder about people because they, they, they come up with these fantastic stories of, well, when the planets all align like this and like this, you know, and uh, then that proves this. I'm like, where, where'd you get that from, Right. Uh, I mean, I've read the whole scriptures, and, and I've read the book of Revelation and Daniel, you know, many times. And I mean, again, I'm not an expert at those things, but uh, they sure come up with some, some doozies, you know. And I have read some, some, doc, some books about the book of Revelation. The problem I've always had personally with a lot of these end-time uh, ministers is they'll say, well, this means this. You know, the, the, you know, this king or this whatever means this. You know, these ten horns mean this thing right here. But they don't give me any reason why I'm supposed to believe that. They don't tell me book, chapter, and verse why I'm supposed to believe that that ten horns means this. They just say, well, it, it does. And that's where I've always had the problem where people just make a statement and they say this is fact, but they don't give me any, any scriptures because I don't care what you think. I just want to know what the scripture says. And if you can't prove it to me from scripture, then, you know, you should tell me that this problem means this because, you know, we think it does and here's why. At least that's fair, but... Uh, but a lot of times they state things as fact without any backup in there. And, and maybe it's because I'm just a skeptic about a lot of things. And I, I have to have proof from the Word of God, as, you know, for me personally. Uh, and so that's going to be a tough day, right? Uh, when Jesus has to tell all of his own creation, because the Bible says that God is the Father of all spirits, so he created all of us, our spirit beings anyway. Uh, and everyone's going to stand before the Lord Jesus, and he has to tell every single one. He asked him one question, and they have to send him right back to the hell. Uh, and 
Yeah, and, and I think that's part of why the Bible says that, that he will, will wipe away all the tears in heaven. You know, all of us are going to be sitting there watching that too. You know, there's going to be tears uh, in our hearts to see people we, we love dearly. We'd do anything to get them out of hell. And we would, we, uh, you know, some of us will, will try to make the, 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 uh, uh, the deal, Lord, send me instead. And he'll be like, you're not qualified. You're, you're not, you're not, you don't have enough payment to pay to make that exchange. And so he won't, you, you, you may think you want to do that, but you're not qualified to do that. Amen. And people will try to do that. Uh, people do that all the time, even today, right? Uh, and so the only thing that qualifies you to get to heaven is the blood of Jesus, accepting the work of the Lord Jesus as your, as your Lord and Savior, and that gets you into heaven. Uh, and so for the rest of us, the church, uh, he, will, he will judge us uh, for the deeds done in the body, both good and bad. Uh, and, and the purpose of that is to determine what rewards we get. So we will get rewards for deeds done in the body that are good reward, good deeds, right? And if we spend all of our time doing bad deeds or not any good deeds, then we will get, you know, a plug nickel more than likely, right? And then uh, the, what we see, and we're going to talk about some of this as we go on, what we see with uh, some of the rewards is that people are, are using the rewards to worship the Lord Jesus with. And so if you got nothing except the plug nickel, you're going to be like, hey, hey, brother, can you spare a dime? I need to worship Jesus. And all I got is, a, you know, everybody else is throwing gold crowns, you know, and this kind of crown, that kind of crown. And all I've got is just, you know, it's not even a real nickel. It's just a, you know, you know, plug nickel is, right? It's a little thing you pull out, like, a, like electrical boxes, right? You know, it's, a, it's not even a real nickel. It's not, it's not even currency. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so uh, I can guarantee you when everybody gets to heaven, when all, we all get to heaven as Christians, our only desire will be to worship the Lord. You know, and we may do that for 10,000 years before we even get up our knees, just because uh, if you ever get a glimpse of the glory of God and see how, how precious and, and beyond imagination the glory and presence of God is, that's all you want to do is to worship him. You know, people, the rebellious people, well, I'm not worshiping God. If you met him, you'd be on your knees, right? The Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. It's not because he's going to make them. It's because when, when God Almighty stands in front of the presence of any human being, they will naturally fall to their knees and worship the Most High God. There will be no, there will be no need to pressure anybody to do that. The glory of God will be so uh, beyond imagination that that's all any, any spirit being will want to do is to worship God. Uh, and so uh, we will be rewarded, uh, and, we're, and we're, we're thankful for that, right? And so the, for us on the earth, our job is... is you know, it's not about us trying to, to get rewards. That's not our end goal. Our end goal is to, is to please the Lord. But by pleasing the Lord, by walking in faith and, and doing as he asks to, us to do, then he adds rewards to our account in heaven. Uh, and we choose not to do it, then there's just a, you know, uh, it may be like, well, you know, on January 3rd of whatever, 2024, uh, just a blank line, right? Because all you did was just lay around and, and flesh out all day long, right? But then the next day, you know, you got up and, and, you know, you made breakfast for everybody or something. Okay, we'll give you, you know, we'll give you a little something for that, right? Uh, and, um, of course, for guys, you know, you can do the least amount of work and get the most reward, right? Because, I mean, the smallest amount of, of uh, consideration to your spouse, I mean, you get, you get so many brownie points, you know. It's like, you mean you, you took out the garbage? Oh, you know, you're amazing, right? And the wife would be like, she cleaned the entire house, mowed the yard, and fed the dogs and the kids and whatever. Yeah, and, and thanks, honey, you know. Uh, and so, I don't know, you know, it shouldn't really work that way, but sometimes it seems like it does. Uh, but we'll all get rewards. And so uh, uh, that's, that's like everything, all, all, all eternity there in, what, 30 minutes, right? And so uh, we didn't go into all the specifics of that because uh, there's, there's a lot of details. You know, I mean, the book of Revelation is like 20, what, 22 chapters long. So there's a lot of things that go on in there. And a lot of things we just don't know. Right? I mean, people say they know, they don't know. Because you read it and you go, you know, I have no idea what it means. Uh, and, uh, and, I've, uh, and I have been reading some after the book of Revelation to, to get some more insight into some of the specifics of that. But at the end of the day, you know, part of it is, uh, part, part, just, just like all the prophecies, you know, how many prophecies are there of the Lord Jesus coming to the earth? I mean, we talked about Ezekiel 36, uh, 26, right? <clears throat> well, the, that was with the old covenant. They had that for a thousand years. They didn't know what that meant. He would be born of a virgin. They didn't know what that meant. You know, uh, he uh, uh, talks about the church age, you know, that there's a gap between the, the 69th and the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. Uh, and, uh, well, that's the church age. That's the age we're living in right now. 
but they didn't know that. So, you know, it's easy for us to look back and see what these things meant, but it's hard to look forward from where they were at to see what they meant. And it's kind of the same thing for us. He wrote all these things so that he has a right to do them when, when he comes back. But uh, we may not have the full understanding of what they mean until we get past that and look back and go, oh, that's what that meant. And so uh, don't be concerned that, uh, that you don't know everything there's to know about end-time events. And uh, if you don't know, what, don't know what the seven blood moons mean, you know, it's okay, right? And so I still don't even know what, what they mean by that. But um, I'm, sure it means, I'm sure it means something. I just don't know what it means. Uh, and, and, you know, to be honest, uh, in one sense, of course, the book of Revelation says that you're blessed if you read it. And so, you know, it's good to read it. But in one sense, you know, that's all tomorrow. That's all after this church age is done. So if you don't know what, what, what's going to happen at that point in time, it doesn't really affect your salvation. You know, it, it's, and that's why we should, we should spend and have the priority of our time spent in the epistles. Where we're at right now in the book of Philippians is the epistles, books written to the church. So we are the church. So, so uh, our emphasis should be primarily on the, the scriptures written to the church, which starts with the book of Romans and goes up to the book of Jude in the New Testament. And that should be where our primary emphasis is. That doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about end-time events like we're doing tonight or even talk about the Kings or Genesis and the Old Covenant sometimes or even the Gospels. It's all fine to talk about those because they all add to our knowledge of today. But our emphasis should be on how do I live a successfully faithful life today to please God, to advance his kingdom, to get as many people into heaven as I possibly can. That's all today. That's all in the epistles. That's where we should live. Uh, and find out how to do that successfully, right? Because a church, we should be very successful people on the earth to bring people into the kingdom of heaven. If we're as sick and, and downtrodden and weak and beggarly as, as the world is, what do we have to offer them? Well, we don't have anything to offer them, even though we should be kings and priests. Uh, and we should say, hey, be like me. I, I live in peace and, and joy every day. I live in freedom from sickness and disease every day. I live freedom from depression and sadness every day. Be like me. Uh, the Lord can get you there. Amen? That's the, that's, that's the, 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 uh, uh, the value that we should offer the world, is that we have a much better way to live than you do. They say, I'm happy the way I am. Well, uh, how often are you sick? Well, all the time. Well, how often are you depressed? Well, about half the time. Well, how many therapists do you have? And how much depression medication are you on? And how much other medication are you on? And how much, you know, uh, just ask them some questions. Uh, and, and it's not to make them look bad, but... Uh, you know, we have a, we have a better uh, business deal to offer them than what they have. If we're living by faith, well, and we learn how to live by faith by the word of God and, and through primarily his epistles, amen? Uh, and so, so Jesus is going to come back. Can't, can't uh, uh, I mean, uh, I say I can't wait, but in one sense I, I can wait because, I, you know, personally, I don't want him to come back today because I've got people, that, family members and friends that are not Christians. If Jesus comes back today, you know, uh, they, they may lose their opportunity, amen? Uh, and so, you know, because when he comes back, uh, then they're kind of on their own because the church is gone, so who's going to do the preaching? Well, there'll be nobody on the earth to do the preaching. Uh, well, I say there's going to be nobody on earth. There's going to be a lot of preachers who know how to preach that aren't going to make it to heaven. You know that, right? <laughs> so they'll know the Word of God, and when they see the church leaves, they'll probably have enough knowledge to go, I need to accept Jesus. And so there'll be a few people who get saved in fact, my guess is there'll be a great revival the day after the church leaves the earth, right? Uh, because we'll be like, where'd everybody go? Well, I, bet I heard they're going to be leaving, right? They must have left. Well, how do we get to go? Well, I heard them say something about accepting Jesus. Can we still do that? Right, let's try it, you know? And people will try it, and they will accept Jesus. They, they will get saved, and then they will become preachers. And so there'll be a big revival after the church leaves. I'm, uh, uh, my hope and desire uh, is to see the great revival. I believe there will be a great revival before the Lord Jesus comes back because he says he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. So he's waiting for fruit. Well, the fruit that he's talking about is the world that needs to come into the church. So he's calling them precious fruit. They're, they've not been reaped yet uh, to bring into, the, he calls them the harvest, right? Remember he, we read Sunday morning about the pray, pray the Lord of the harvest. Well, he, when he said the harvest, he's talking about the world, not the church, he's talking about the world. And we're the laborers. We're supposed to go out and reap that harvest and bring them into the church. Uh, that's, the, that's the Lord's desire. And I believe there will be, uh, be a great revival that will be a combination of the Word of God being taught and the Spirit of God moving in, in, in a spectacular, supernatural way before the Lord Jesus comes back because that will be the... Uh, we, we've seen uh, either a great uh, supernatural revival or a great word, word revival, but we've never seen a great Word and Spirit revival. Uh, and so we need to see that last revival. 
to get as many people into heaven. So I, I never pray, Lord, come quickly. Uh, I do pray for the revival to come and for the, the Spirit of God to, to increase His move in the earth um, so that we can get more people into the church. But um, I would encourage you, don't pray, Lord, come quickly, because that means somebody's going to miss heaven. Amen? And I, I'm not interested in doing that, because uh, I'm fine. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm on my way to heaven, and, I, and the Bible says I can live days of heaven upon the earth. So, I mean, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm as good as I can get right now until we get a new heaven and new earth. So I'm pretty happy. Uh, amen. Uh, and I know it can be better, uh, but, um, but if, uh, when it gets really better, then people will have missed heaven. Amen. So let's, let's not pray that. Let's, uh, let's look for this day when the Lord Jesus comes back with a shout and the archangel does his announcements. Uh, that'll be a great day. But between now, then, let's live in the epistles and grow in faith and increase our lives to, to bring the, the kingdom of the world into the church, right? Not the world in the church, but the, the people that are in the world into the church and get them born again. Amen? And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word. And, Lord, we do thank you for the blessings of heaven. We thank you, Father, that we do look for the Lord Jesus to come from heaven. And, Father, we, we do keep an eye that someday we will all stand before the Lord Jesus and have to give account for all the deeds done in this body. And so, Lord, we thank you that, that we will do our very best while we're on this earth, Father, to, to follow your will, follow your plan, follow your spirit. Uh, and, and, Lord, as we do that, we thank you that we will obtain and collect treasures in heaven. And, Father, we thank you that we'll take those treasures and we worship you with them, Father, because you're worthy of all praise and honor and adoration, Father. We thank you, Most High God, for the blessings you've given to us. And we give you all praise and honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Uh, that was a whirlwind tour of end-time events, right? And so let's get ready to receive this, this evening's offering. And um, we, were, we were studying in the book of Genesis one time with my pastor. He got, he got uh, up to uh, Enoch, which was uh, before the flood, right? Uh, and so that was the last verse I think we studied in Genesis, right? He went on about a three-year tour of the book uh, end-time events. So come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. Because Enoch, uh, there is some, uh, some notes about Enoch at the end time about some of the things that he said. And um, there is a book of Enoch that's in the, uh, uh, in the Catholic Bible. You know, the, the, the regular church Bible has got 66 books. The Catholic Bible has got, I think it's like 13 more books than that, uh, like the book of Enoch and the book of Maccabees and, um, and uh, um, a few other books like that. They're called the apocryphal books. And so uh, there's some other things in it. There's not really much in it that, that changes doctrine, but... The book of Enoch is one of them, and it has some interesting things in there, but um, I think we're plenty good with the scripture we've got and don't need to add anything more to it, right? So anyway, uh, praise God. The Lord is good, amen. Uh, and so we'll see you all on Sunday, right? So you're dismissed.